Welcome to this message from Journey Church. Our hope is that you'd encounter God and His purpose for your journey. Be sure to visit us online at www.journeykc.com. When Sean asked me to preach, I don't know if he didn't think the order out. You know, he had Aaron and then me. It's like getting the appetizer after the main course. I don't really understand what the philosophy was behind that, but uh, I'll just go with it. I'm sure he's being led of the Spirit. So um, when I'm asked to speak, understand I, I do take this opportunity with a great level of responsibility because I just, I just want God to speak through me. Uh, I'm not up here. I, if you know my personality, I, I don't desire to be up here. God opens the door. I just walk through it, and I just give God what he's given me. And so um, I want to talk a little bit uh, on the subject of I want to be a worshiper. Now, to understand kind of the context of where this title came from, I really have to take you back to uh, my days back in, in Bible college about 15-plus years ago. And so I was at Bible college. I was striving to be a minister. And, and again, I kind of shared a little bit last time I spoke. I haven't spoken uh, in 10 years or somewhere around that um, uh, at the last time. So I'm still uh, knocking off a little bit of a rust. But uh, in Bible college, it was a big deal to be asked to preach chapel. And so in my senior year, I was asked to preach chapel and with another gentleman. And um, so the way that it's set up is just like, you know, a normal service. Uh, you're going to have a little time of worship, and then, you know, one preacher preaches first, and then the second one comes in. And so he was going to be preaching first, and I was going to be preaching second. And so uh, he began to preach, and, uh, and he preached and preached, and he preached, and he preached, and he preached. And he preached a little bit more, and he preached. And I was sitting back here, and, and, and we've got a set amount of time to, to, to hear, uh, to be in chapel. I mean, and it got so bad to the point I'm looking around thinking, who's in charge of this? Someone needs to pull this guy off the platform because if he keeps going, I'm not going to have an opportunity to say anything. And so he continues to preach, and I, I remember his sermon that he preached was, I want to be a worshiper. And so when I began to prepare and think of, of what God would want me to say, he planted this title in my heart. And of course, my natural response in this circumstance was, you've got to be kidding me. Because this title brought back all of these memories. I mean, I can literally think right now of how it all played out. This guy is up there preaching and he's like, I want to be a worshiper. And I'm thinking, I want you to get a watch. <laughs> and so, and I'll never forget that, you know, he finally gets off. There's like five minutes left in chapel. And of course, you know, the guy that's facilitated, oh, we'll be fine. Just go with it. Of course, Bible college, spiritual things come, you know, first. And but at the same time, I knew I was preaching to a peer group of college-age kids that when they thought, I hear that bell, I'm out. And so, needless to say, as I'm reading my scripture text, the bell rings. And so I preached about three minutes, and then I was just out of there. And so when God planted this in my heart, I was thinking, 
you know what, God, I'm just going to go with it. So I'm going to try and deliver this message with no bitterness or animosity. Uh, and uh, we'll pray that, that God blesses this. So I want to be a worshiper. When we think of the word worship, we can go into the Greek. We can go into the Hebrew of what the Bible says about worship. And, you know, you go into the Hebrew, there's about 19 different contexts, words that's used to form worship. And then the Greek, there's about three. And I'm not even going to bother trying to pronounce those today out of respect to the people in the front row because I've tried to pronounce them leading up to this. And it sounds like I'm clearing phlegm from my throat. Uh, So for that reason, we're just going to talk a little bit on the dictionary definition and, and what that definition of, of worship is. And so worship is defined as the feeling or expression of reverence or adoration for a deity, the worship of God. You know, we came in here today, what, what did we do? We took some time of worship. And of course, throughout that time of worship, you saw different facets of worship. You saw some people raising their hands. You saw some people perhaps kneeling. You saw some people uh, worshiping God with instruments and things like that. And let me first make a key point. There's three keys to worship that I want to talk about today. And the first one is going to be worship is an encounter with God. And all the forms of worship we saw today, I'm very comfortable with because it lines up with the word of God in Psalms uh, 150. It says, praise ye the Lord. Praise God in the sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him for his mighty acts. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with psaltery and harp. Praise him with timbrel and dance. Praise him with stringed instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high-sounding cymbals. Let everything that hath breath praise you, the Lord. And so we saw different forms and variety of worship. And the shape of these forms of praise and worship are symbolic to what people are feeling on the inside. Perhaps people were lifting their hands. What is the universal sign of surrender? By the lifting of hands. And so therefore, what we were doing, we were communicating to God that, hey, God, we surrender our hearts. And so for that, we're raising our hands in a symbolic form. Or perhaps we were just raising our hands and reaching out unto God to say, God, I want more of you. Or we were just singing or praying or whatever, giving words of affirmation, lifting up God and worshiping him in that way. You know, this takes me back to the first time that I ever genuinely worshiped God. Now, when I say genuinely, it's because, you know, being raised in church, you know, if the pastor said, hey, let's all raise our hands, I did that. But it was nothing more than following instructions or an order. Or lift your hand out and pray for somebody, and I was doing just that. But in my teenage, teenage years, God began to minister and speak to me and really work on my heart to the point where he was saying, you, it's about time you get out of your parents' shadow of a relationship with me and develop your own. And so as part of developing that relationship with him, part of the components of that was finding and understanding worship. And so it's crazy. I remember it like it was yesterday. I call it, it was a premeditated worship session for me. Because uh, if I go back, I can remember... I sat kind of on the the second pew, kind of the middle aisle on the left-hand side. And again, me coming from not a large church, but but not a small one either, kind of in the middle, I would say probably maybe half of the congregation maybe had changed my diapers at some point. And so it was going to be a big deal if Chris worshipped. And so 
I was sitting there, and, I, and again, going back to, I can remember it like it was yesterday. I can remember what I was wearing. I was wearing some, some khaki slacks. I had a light green shirt. I had a nice tie. I was dressed for success. I was in my Sunday best, as some people might say. And I remember going through worship, and I got there, and I was focused. And um, the first song went through, and of course, you know, I participate, you know, a little bit, whether it's clapping or singing, uh, you know, subdued somewhat, and uh, had to get warmed up a little bit. So when the second song came, and then the chorus, of course, because you know the spirit moves better in the chorus than the verse. Uh, and so the chorus came, you know, and I, I just lifted up my hands and stretched them as high as I could and closed my eyes as tight as I could. I would like to say I was closing them so tight because I was so deep in worship to God, but it was probably more of, I'm afraid people are looking at me, and so I'm just going to close them as tight. God, I love you too. You know, and that's kind of was my mindset. And as I began to to praise God, after a few minutes, I, I just couldn't help myself, and I had to slowly peek just to see if someone was looking at me. And, and so I opened my eyes, and I kind of looked to the side to see if anyone's watching. Well, through the whole process, I got so nervous, I was sweating through my shirt. I was so embarrassing. So I dropped my arms. Of course, you notice I didn't give that, you know, hands-on illustration because I don't know the situation here. And so, for the record, I don't know that I've mastered that. Um, so, so I was giving that worship, reckless abandon type of worship, but I dropped my hands down and, and I was so embarrassed and I was thinking, okay, I'm just going to let the song in. And so I slowly excused myself to the restroom. And as I got to the restroom, I'm just thinking, oh gosh, what am I going to do? What am I going to do? And I thought, my mom's a Sunday school teacher. I remember helping her with a craft a week before. Uh, we had to blow dry some of the glue to make it dry faster. I'll just go. So for the next 15 minutes, I just blew dry my armpits dry. And and, and it's crazy. I, I remember that again, like it was yesterday. And then again, I, I came in and I went and I went back into the service. Of course, by that time, the worship was over uh, and the preaching went forth. And then I remember going home and reflecting on that day. And, you know, as soon as I got home and began to reflect on that, the devil began to work on me. And I can remember the thought that I thought that night was, that's what I get for worshiping. I was embarrassed. I was mortified. I was humiliated. That's what I get for worshiping. And God began to show me as I began to be attacked in that way that the problem was not worshiping, but it was the pride that I carried with it. You know, I kind of have a little bit of a crazy streak in me. Uh, my boys don't see it too much because I don't want them to act in the same way. Uh, but I still come across people when I go home and visit family and, you know, they'll be talking around friends and family, my parents, and they'll kind of have that attitude of, hey, it's good to see you. Looks like you're doing good. We were a little worried about you for a little bit. 
And I was thinking, what does that even mean? Uh, and of course, I just recently came back from a 20-year uh, reunion, high school reunion, and they were sharing stories of crazy things that were done. No, Teddy, I'm not going to share those with you. And, um, and they're like, Chris, do you remember what? No, I don't remember doing that at all. You did it. I'm telling you, well, if I don't remember it, then it didn't happen. It's kind of my mentality. And so I began to think about all those crazy things. And my attitude back then was, you know, I'll be crazy and silly and act a fool unless or until it comes to things of God. And then I'm too good for that. I had that pride. Can I tell you a huge adversary of being a worshiper is pride. Proverbs 16 and verse 18 says that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Now, understand, I've been on both sides of the fence. I've chosen to live a life or, or be a worshiper, and I've chosen not to be a worshiper. And the only way that I was able to cross over to being a worshiper was to take on a spirit of humility. You know, Proverbs 11 and 2 says, When pride comes, then comes disgrace, but with humility comes wisdom. And I might be sharing this, and you might be looking at the situation saying, okay, Chris, you're, you're making a lot of sense up to this point, but it sounds like to me you're more of an extrovert. You're more of a sanguine-type personality, and, and that's not really relevant to me because I'm more of an introvert. Can I tell you whether you're an extrovert or you're an introvert? The spirit of humility is critical when being a worshiper. Because if you're an extrovert, then you're going to need a spirit of humility to offset the pride that you have that makes you not want to worship. And then you've got, as an introvert, you need the spirit of humility to help you think and get out of that box that you've confined yourself to. Can I challenge you today to be a worshiper? Perhaps you're in the box to where you're saying, Chris, I'm already a worshiper. Believe me, when I came in here and saw the worship in the first service and saw the worship in the second service, I thought to myself, dear God, the worship is incredible. What am I going to talk about today? Can I encourage you and employ you? Keep worshiping. Because there's going to be some people that are around you that are going through things that you may not know about. And Pastor Sean talked about a few weeks back where he says sometimes God plants a little extra grace in our life for us to share to other people. Maybe God's playing a little bit of extra worship in your life because someone's watching you and they need someone to just be encouraged about and, and be excited about and feel something of, of great power that they may not have the strength and energy to worship. I want to be a worshiper. And I realize I'm not naive that what I've said up to this point may be very elementary to you. It may be more worship 101. Hey, Chris, thanks for sharing, but I've got all that stuff. And I can't say that I necessarily disagree with that. But I really want to drive a point here that worship, which is point two, worship is more then praise is a lifestyle. And with lifestyle, when we take on a lifestyle of worship, that we're saying that we want the Spirit of God to walk and talk with us and live and give. It's every facet of your life when you're choosing to live a lifestyle of worship, you're saying that I want God to walk, talk, live, and give, that our life in every facet should be showing adoration 
and reverence to God. Now, I realize to take it to this level is a whole new level. How many would agree today that it's one thing to invite someone to come over for a visit, but it's something else to invite them to live with you? <clears throat> In-laws, something like that. So, and you go, oh, I get it now, you know, and now what you're saying, it's one thing, yeah, preach it, as Sean's saying up here. So it's one thing to invite the in-laws to come over, but it's another thing to ask them to dwell with you the same way with worship. It's one thing to come in here on a Sunday and worship God. It's another thing to take him with you throughout the week. The second key to worship is a lifestyle of worship invites the Holy Spirit to dwell with you. Now, again, there's a great spirit of worship and spirit of praise in here. But the truth is that can be turned on and turned off. But a lifestyle of worship is something that is continual. It's something that you take with you on an everyday basis. The Holy Spirit is dwelling with you. Hebrews chapter 13 in verse 15 says, By him, therefore, let us offer the sacrifice of praise to God continually. That is the fruit of our lips, giving thanks to him. So sometimes when we take on a lifestyle of worship, there's a sacrifice of praise that has to be offered. You know, you may come in here and the, over time, the honeymoon might so-called wear off and you realize that Gloria Stefan is not in our worship band and the rhythm is not going to get you or move you, or something like that. And so, and yeah, you're welcome. That song's going to be in your head all day. And so, there's a sacrifice that's involved and a level of spiritual maturity that has to take place for us to get to that point of a lifestyle of worship. You know, I was going through the Scriptures looking at exactly uh, some, some context for, for what I wanted to talk about, and I, I got to looking at you know, what would exactly be anatomy of a worshiper? You know, what would be those characteristics of a worshiper? And if I had to point a finger to something, it would probably be David. You know, he's the one that's responsible for writing a lot of the scriptures that are offering uh, praise up to God. And, but one scripture really jumped out to me that I, I want to share with you guys today and really have us look at it from a different context and different angle. And that is Psalms uh, 103. Uh, 1 through 6, where it says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me, bless his holy name. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfieth my mouth with good things. You know, and I began to look at this scripture a little bit more and kind of try and not be critical, but just kind of dissect it. And so I look back at verse 2 when he's saying, bless the Lord a second time. And he's saying, oh, my soul, and forgetting all his benefits. So it's almost like he's speaking from a perspective of he's trying to remind him his own self, bless the Lord. I mean, bless the Lord. And forget, it's like he was trying to, sometimes we as individuals sometimes need to be reminded just who God is. And we're doing that through a lifestyle of worship. Now understand when I say that when we're trying to remind ourselves who God is, I'm not saying to remind ourselves so that we know. 
I'm hoping that we remind ourselves so that we recognize who God is. Because knowing suggests awareness, but recognizing promotes a response. Let me say that again. Knowing suggests awareness, but recognizing promotes a response. Matthew chapter 16, verses 13 through 16 says, When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say thou art John the Baptist, some Elias, and others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. And he said unto them, But who say ye that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. And I say unto thee, Thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against me. If you go and do some research from different commentaries, a lot of scholars will even look at this and say, it was at that point that Peter got the true revelation of recognizing who Jesus was. Yeah, there was a point that he knew who he was. He did these things, but it wasn't to that point that he recognized who Jesus was. And of course, what do we see? That God tells him, hey, flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but the Spirit. I want to live a life of a worshiper, but I want to recognize too who God is in every facet of my life. And in turn, Recognizing who Jesus is needs to promote a response, which should be evident in my everyday activities. Now, my wife and I uh, really strive to live a life or a lifestyle of worship. We're intentional, but we're not in your face. You're never going to catch me with this Jesus t-shirt on, with my Bible under my arm, passing out tracts left and right, talking about, the only thing I want to talk about is how great God is. You come to my home. It doesn't look like the Holy Spirit threw up on my home. You know, sometimes you walk in homes and you're like, bam, you know, it's just there every time you turn a wall. I'm not saying that's a bad thing if that's your home. Please understand that. But what I'm trying to do is my message is more subtle, but still intentional. As you come into our house, there's a sign that's right behind the front door, and it reads, Be our guest, whether you come in to visit or just rest. When you enter our home, may you be blessed. It doesn't say, Hell is hot, get God or get out, you know, those type of things. Uh, And so we're very intentional, but subtle at the same time. And the main reason is because we want to be a light to this world, and we want people to feel acceptable and feel welcomed, don't get me wrong, they're going to find out about Jesus when they come around. And more than anything is I want my life to speak volumes that I don't have to plaster my walls. I want my, my life to speak so loud that I don't have to do all those things, that they see the love of Christ through everything that I do. And the only way that's going to happen is if I have a lifestyle of worship. You know, it was a couple years ago, it was Thanksgiving, and uh, we were sitting around the living room talking, and 
my mom started to, or well, that's around the time that you start talking about, you know, hey, what's this person doing? I don't get a chance to go down to Alabama, you know, very much. And so, you know, hey, what are they up to? And for some reason, uh, one of our childhood friends, Daniel, came up. And uh, we were talking about, she, she threw out there some random comment of, you know, when he used to come over at night. I looked at her, I said, I have no idea what you're talking about. And she goes, well, you boys were young. I may not have shared this with you. But she, she said, you know, his home was maybe a little rougher than some people. And sometimes his mom would go out and come home and, you know, she would rough him up pretty good. And so what he would do is he would come to our house. He would go around the back gate. Everybody would be asleep and he would knock on the window and my parents said and they would just sit with him you know and love on him and let him know that he was going to be okay and they just took whatever time they needed and and of course we had no idea as kids can I say I want to be that home and the truth is there's a lot of hurting people out there there's a lot of people out there that don't know who Jesus is that are going through life with a void that only God can fill. And we have a responsibility as believers to be that light to those people. But let me tell you, the only way you're going to be that light is if you take on a lifestyle of worship. That worship goes beyond just these doors, but into our communities and things like that. But to get to that point, it's going to take a level of sacrifice on our part. Can I tell you the second adversary for a worshiper is selfishness. John chapter 3 and verse 30 says, He must increase, but I must decrease. You know, when we get to this point, that sacrifice is going to have to be made. There's going to be a, a point that we're going to have to give a little bit to see that lifestyle of worship take hold and take fruition in our lives. And so probably nothing's more valuable to a lot of us than our time. And so it's going to take us perhaps getting out and reaching out to our community, even making connect, being part of connect groups in here at church. Or perhaps it's going to cost us energy you know, serving our community, serving our church body, however you feel God leading you to do that, or even it may cost us some resources in, in, in um, supporting Operation Christmas Child, whether it be through packing a box or something like that. And the reason I really feel led to speak this message to this group of believers is because I feel that we are in a position where God wants to take us to that level. He wants to take us to that next step in our relationship with God. He wants us to go beyond a spirit of, of worship just on a Sunday, but have a lifestyle of worship to where we walk, to where we talk, to where we live, to where we give, to where we do things on a regular basis that is consistent with giving adoration and glory to God. But it's going to cost us something. The third key to worship is a lifestyle of worship provides an environment to grow. Now, 
Last time I spoke, I talked about I've got two boys uh, that are going through getting and learning how to drive. And uh, I, I made the comment that uh, we could all draw closer to Jesus if we skipped the services and we just ran around the block with them in the car. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. You know, no, I, I give them a hard time, but they're really good drivers. One of them's got their license and the other one's well on their way. But I look at driving, first of all, as a privilege and not a right. And then secondly, I understand the responsibility that comes with driving. I look at the vehicle as a weapon, if not used responsibly. And so uh, I wanted an extra layer of protection that comes with teaching the boys. So I had them both go to driver's education. Um, And both of them have different skill sets. And so I had them go to two separate driver's education. And one of them actually was an extremely comprehensive driver's education. And, I mean, it took them through cognitive tests, reactive tests, everything across the board. And so I sat down with the instructor and I said, okay, walk me through one of the tests. And so uh, she walked me through what's called a trail mapping test. Has anyone ever heard of a trail mapping test? We've got a, a picture up here of what that looks like. So what the objective here is, is we're to start and connect the dots, so to speak, with one, and we're supposed to go to A, and then two, and then go to B, and then three, C, so forth and so on. And I said, well, that's an interesting test. Tell me a little bit about it. She said, well, what it's doing is it's testing their ability to do multiple things at one time. They're counting, of course, one, two, three, four, five, and then A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I said, okay, well, what if we don't get the results that we want to on that cognitive test? And she goes, well, that's okay. What it just means is we need to work on one thing and get so good at it that it becomes second nature. So then the focus can be on the second thing. And I said, okay, what if we were to take a spiritual mapping test today? And what if that thing that's supposed to be second nature was a lifestyle of worship? See, her communication was we need to get good at this one thing so that when these other things come up, our attention and focus can be drawn to those things. And if lifestyle of worship is that first thing that we're supposed to let be our focus, how many other things are we perhaps missing over time because we don't have that lifestyle of worship down? You know, perhaps there's people in here today that if we truly took on the lifestyle of worship, that there's a calling on your life that's been there the whole time. We just did have this one thing down all the way. Or perhaps God's calling you to be revealed things of him. Perhaps God wants to pour out his spirit on you in a new way, but we don't have this lifestyle of worship thing down. Or perhaps God may be calling you to stand in the gap, which will be on your upcoming sermon series. But you may not hear that because we need to stand first in that lifestyle of worship. Please understand, I am no way trying to come across in communication in a condemnation manner. I'm trying to challenge us as a body to say, what if we took on 
worship in a whole new level. Went beyond just on a Sunday, but said we were going to live a lifestyle of worship. And I believe a lot of us are already doing that. And what I'm saying is I'm really excited about what God's going to do with these next steps as we let this lifestyle of worship become second nature. When we take on a lifestyle of worship, we encounter God, we dwell with God, and we grow in God. John chapter 4 and verse 24 says that God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in spirit and in truth. You know, you could probably take the whole sermon and preach on this one scripture, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to give a quick summary of what this is speaking to. When we worship in spirit and in truth, it means to worship with both head and heart, with our whole being. And this is done by applying Matthew chapter 22, 37, where it says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, and with all thy mind. Can I just make uh, an appeal to this group today that I realize what I've communicated up to this point and today has been really elementary. And I realize you may look at this today and say, you know, hey, this guy preached on worship today, but I know God has directed me to talk about this. Um, Sean Landers uh, was up front just after the first service and had somebody come up to me and say, your message was perfect to what my son needed to hear today. And just trust that if I'm speaking on something today that may not help you grow, may not blow your mind, please take something today and grow from it. Because really when it comes back to everything, it's all about glorifying God and putting him first. As the worship band comes up today, I want to share a quick little story with you about a pastor of a church in England uh, many years ago. God began to speak with him about his church body, and he did something that was really more uncharacteristic. He felt that there was a dynamic missing when it came to worship, and so he, he really did kind of a brave thing. He decided to get rid of the band. He decided to get rid of the sound system for a season, and they gathered together in a smaller room with just their voices. And the pastor was even quoted as to saying that he felt they had lost their way in worship. And the way to get back to the heart was to strip everything away. And so it was during this time that the music leader penned these words. When the music fades and all is stripped away and I simply come. Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I'll bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship when it's all about you, Jesus. And so as we sit here today and I talk about worship, let me first of all say, if you're in a position that you've never worshiped before, let me challenge you that there are so 
much joy and fulfillment that you're missing out on by having not participated in worship. And I challenge you to go from here and make that commitment and say, I'm going to start worshiping God. Or perhaps you come on an everyday Sunday basis and you say, I worship God, but I don't know that I take him from here with me. Can I challenge you to take on that lifestyle of worship? Because what happens is when you take on that lifestyle of worship, you see the fruits of the labor. You see God begin to use you to minister. God begins to speak things to you more than you ever thought possible, could even fathom. And I challenge you to say, you know what, I'm going to walk out of here and I'm going to say, God, I want to be a worshiper. I want to have a lifestyle of worship. I want to encounter you. I want you to dwell and I want to grow in you. And I believe that if you do that today, God will truly bless you. Let's worship with the band one last time. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. For more information about Journey Church or to browse our media library, visit us online at journeykc.com.